Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your Word. Lord, as we open up your Word this morning uh, to talk about who you are, God, we thank you that you've not left us in the dark. Uh, God, but you've given us your word to guide us through life. More than that, Lord, you've given us your Holy Spirit to illuminate that word. Let us know what it means and how that affects our life. And God, I pray this morning as we do that, that you would give us uh, the wisdom and the courage not only to listen and to hear with our spiritual ears, but God, to make changes and new commitments uh, if that's what needs to happen. So I pray that you would do that. And Lord, we do pray for Pastor Mike. Let's pray for him right now. God, I pray you'd heal him. I pray you'd strengthen him. Lord, I pray that you would uh, raise him up, get him back to the things that uh, he loves to do and feels called to do. Lord, we just pray for everyone in our community and really even around the country. Uh, God, dealing with the flu uh, and this, this epidemic. God, I pray that you would uh, protect those who are healthy. God, heal those who are sick. And God, comfort some of those that have had to deal with some tragic consequences because of this, Lord. We know that uh, you're in the midst of it, Lord. You're real in spite of some things that we see. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Hey, so I'm going to uh, give you some phrases, and then you tell me who, who said that, if you recognize. So the first one is this. I have a dream. Mark Dr. Martin Luther King. All right, that's good. Hey, here's another one. Ask not what, you, uh, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Yeah, John F. Kennedy. And so uh, the younger people are like, I don't learn that. I just Google. Um, here you go. Four score and seven years ago, Abraham Lincoln. All right, so I- I'm going to date some of you on this, but I hope you'll participate with me. And so, hey, the Fonz. Arthur Fonzarelli, all right, that was one. And then this is one of my favorites, and this is probably even less people, uh, but I love this one. I don't know if I can do the motions right, all right. So hold on, Elizabeth, I'm coming to see you. Fred Sanford, come on, how many knew that was Fred Sanford? No matter what happens here this morning, you're going to drive home thinking, bum, 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 dum, dum. That was the, that was a theme song. And so, so some of you knew those right away, and some of you don't recognize a thing I just said. All right, because you don't have the context. You don't know who said it, why they said it, who they said it to. And there are some things in life that you have to kind of know the context and what was going on to really understand what that was all about. And so in this I Am series that we'll be in for the next seven weeks from now till Easter, we're going to be studying the seven I Am sayings in the book of John. So John, more than any other gospel, more than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, talks about the divinity of Jesus, the fact that Jesus Christ was God. He was not just a representative of God. He was not just a good teacher. He was not just a great man. He was God in the flesh. And one of the ways that John says that is through the seven I am sayings. Today we're going to talk about I am the bread of life. Uh, Other ones, I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection in the life. I am the way, the truth in the life. And so we're going to go through those next seven for the next seven weeks. And we're going to talk about what he says. Today we're going to talk about what does it mean, the bread of life? What does it mean like? But to catch what that's really all about, you have to know what it meant when Jesus said and why he said, I am the way that he did. 
And so to get that, let's go in Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, the I am itself has some meaning. Uh, in Exodus 3, Moses is in the desert. And he has left Egypt. He's in the desert. While he's in the desert, he sees a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning up. So he goes aside to see what's going on, and God talks to him out of that fire. And what God says is, I want you to go back to Egypt, get my people, the Israelites, bring them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And Moses comes up with all of these reasons why he can't do that. And one of them is, he says, I don't even know who you are. I don't know your name. And so that's where it gets what we're talking about today. So in verse 13, it says this, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am is God's name. He says, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. And so one of the reasons that Jesus said, I am, and then he would finish it out, is he wasn't just saying, I am the bread of life, like we would say it. When he said, I am, he was saying, I am, I am. I am is God's name. See, God doesn't let us define him. He always defines himself. And we can't really define ourselves till we know who he is. I think God would tell us, until you know who I am, you can't know who you really are. And so God's name is I am. So when you see words like God and Lord in the Bible, those are titles. Other religions have gods. Other religions have lords. I am, which is translated in Hebrew, Yahweh, that's God's name. And in fact, it was so sacred to the Israelites that when they translated the Bible, the writers, when they got to Yahweh, they took the vowels out so you couldn't say it. It was so sacred, and this was especially true in Jesus' day. And that adds a little tension to these stories that we're talking about. And you see why almost at, at the end of almost all of these I am sayings, everybody's mad at Jesus. And one reason is he's saying he's God in a culture where you couldn't even say the name God, much less to say you were him. And so they took the vowels out so you couldn't say it, and they put in there Lord, which is in Hebrew is Adonai. And I sound way smarter than I really am right now, okay? <laughs> I read this this week. And so, but, uh, so they put in Adonai, and so when you see Lord, and I want you to sow something. Go, go to that scripture up here from Exodus, because I want you to see, just so when you're reading your Bible, you see that. See where it says the Lord, and it's in all caps? When you see that in the Old Testament in your Bible, that is not sir or master, that is Yahweh. That's the way the English Bible is translated. It's not like the New Living actually translates it Yahweh there. And so I am was God's name. So when Jesus seven times in the book of John says, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. He wasn't just describing something about himself. 
he was telling them who he was. And they understood exactly what he was saying. Now, some of them believed it, some of them didn't. Some of them liked it, some of them didn't. But when people say, you know, because you see, some people have said this, well, Jesus never said he was God. He did if you understand the culture of the day. Just like some of you understand exactly who, and it's terrible that I'm connecting these two things, all right? But as soon as I said that, you knew. Fred Sanford, all right, Lamont. As soon as you knew that, the Israelites of Jesus' day, they understood, whoa, 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 what did he just say? And so as we, I want you to keep that in mind over the next seven weeks as we talk about that. And so what he would do is he would say, I am God, and this is, this is what I love about God. And then he would explain himself in terms that everyone understood. I mean, he is a God with a name so sacred that they wouldn't even say it. But then he would say, and I am the bread of life. I am, everybody understood bread, light, gate, shepherd, life. Everyone understood that. So that leads us to where we want to talk today. So if you have your Bibles, look in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 35. John chapter 6, verse 35. Now here's what's going on in John chapter 6. Jesus is teaching on a mountainside, and the Bible says there were 5,000 men there. Now if there were 5,000 men, you add women and children, there could have been anywhere 15, 20, 25,000 people. And he's teaching and he would teach all day. And at, towards the end of the day, he starts to realize that they're hungry. Now, one of the things, another thing I want you to kind of understand here, these are very poor people, all right? They don't have a fridge full of food at home. So when Jesus is concerned about them being hungry, like for instance, and I don't do this often, but if I ever have to speak at a lunch event or a dinner event, I always want food served before I get up. Because I know most people are like me. When you're hungry, you can't pay attention. You know what I'm talking about? Nobody's thinking about me. They're just looking around, you know, for where the food's going. And so that's not what Jesus was doing. He went, hey, let's get them some food so they'll pay attention. He was literally worried about their safety. Many of these people were probably already malnourished. They lived from day to day, just enough food for today and then enough food for tomorrow. So if they had taken time to walk, sometimes maybe hundreds of miles to hear him, and then sit all day and then walk back. He literally was concerned for their safety. And so he turns to his disciples and he says, we've got to get them something to eat. He looks at Philip. He says, how are we going to get them something to eat? And Philip's like, I don't know how we're going to do this. And it's one of my favorite verses, so go back and read it. There's so much in John 6. So after we talk today, go back this afternoon or tomorrow and read all of John 6. But Jesus turns to Philip and the Bible says this. He said, he asked him to test him for he already had in mind what he wanted to do. And when I read that, I thought, you know, I, I married uh, Roxanne because I knew she was like Jesus, but I didn't realize how much like Jesus until um, I read that verse. Because that sounds like date night at my house. When, you know, she'll, she'll be like, baby, what do you want to do? And I know she's asking me to test me because she already has in mind what she wants to do. And so <laughs> Jesus does that. And then Andrew says, well, here's somebody over here with uh, some fish and, and five loaves of bread. And Jesus prays over it, blesses it, multiplies it, feeds everyone there, again, possibly 20, 25,000 people, and has stuff left over. And then he leaves, and then they follow him, and then he talks about what that meant. So in the context of all that comes John chapter 6, verse 35, where it says this, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
So what was Jesus saying when he said, I am the bread of life? I, th I think bread, especially in that culture where bread was the main food that they ate, it wasn't what came out before the meal. You know, for us, bread is kind of a side with the meal or it comes out before the meal. For them, many people, bread may be all they ate that day. And so bread does a couple things. First of all, bread satisfies our hunger. It just satisfies the immediate hunger. And I kind of said how it was already when doing that. I, if you're like me, I can't do anything else when I'm hungry. Is there anyone else like that? Just the world has got to stop. All my meetings have got to be done by 1130 or they've got to be lunch meetings. All right, I just, I can't, when I'm hungry, I can't focus on any, just, everything stops, let's get some food and then we can move on to something else. All right, but even without that, when you're hungry, that's just kind of what, what your mind goes, that's all that you think about. Now that happens physically, but Jesus is using that to talk about what happens to us spiritually as well. And for many of us, there's something in our life that we feel like our life is not complete without that. And if I could just get that, then everything would be great. And sometimes we can't focus on anything else because we don't have that, whatever that is. That could be a relationship. That could be financial security. That could be some accomplishment or some dream. And we spend most of our life focusing on that and we can't focus on anything else until that hunger is quenched. Does that make sense? I think most everybody feels that way. When Jesus was saying, I am the bread of life, he was saying, I don't know what it is that you think you're missing. You might be, think you're missing a relationship, think you're missing financial security, think you're missing all these things, but what you're missing is me. And if you quench that hunger, you're gonna be hungry again, but I am the bread of life. And whoever believes in me, will not be hungry again. I can satisfy everything in your life because bread satisfies our hunger. But the other thing that bread does is bread gives us strength. It's like we said, Jesus was concerned about them. If they're gonna be walking home, let's get some food in their belly. Let's get some calories in them. Bread gives us strength. Bread gives us strength to make it another day. And so when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he was saying, I will satisfy all of your hungers, but even past that, I'll be the one to give you strength. I can be the one to give you strength to make it tomorrow. And that's what Jesus meant by I am. He's saying he was God, but let me explain to you what that means in your life. I'm God, I'm the one who satisfies you. I am the one who gives you strength. Now, what's interesting is what Jesus says then in verse 36. So in verse 35, let's read that again. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But look at verse 36. But as I told you, you have been with me, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. So Jesus says, I'm God, I'm the bread of life, I can satisfy every hunger in your life, I can give you strength for whatever you need, I'm right here in front of you, and you're missing it. And that's an interesting verse. I think, why would Jesus say that? Well, turn back to verse 26. Verse 26, he's already said that one time and he kind of explains it. Verse 26, it says, Jesus answered, very truly I say unto you. Now, when Jesus says that, he's trying to get their attention. That's kind of like, and, and some of the old school translations is verily, verily. That's like, you ever call somebody together? I know I do this with my kids, all right? Especially if I'm, if I'm angry, all right? You ever get somebody together and say, let me tell you something. 
all right? You don't need to say, let me tell you something. You can just tell them something, all right? It's kind of redundant. But what you're saying is your future depends on whether you listen to me right now or not, all right? You make sure, hey, let, let me tell you something, all right? Without the angry face, okay, so take that away. When Jesus, that was kind of a phrase in Aramaic. When Jesus says, very truly I say unto you, he's saying, hey, let me, let me, let me tell you something, all right? He didn't stutter like I just did, all right? Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Isn't that interesting? And when I first read it, I thought, well, Jesus, the sign and the loaves are the same thing. The loaves were the sign. How could they eat and have their fill and miss the sign? And here's what I think he was saying. You were there, you had a need, and I met your need. And you experienced that miracle, but you stopped there. And you didn't understand that miracle was only a sign. In fact, in John, there are seven I am sayings, but there are also seven miracles. He only has seven. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have way more miracles, all right? In John, there are only seven miracles. So there are seven I am sayings where Jesus says he's God, but there are seven miracles that John calls miraculous signs. They are signs pointing to who God is. And what Jesus was saying is, don't get so caught up in the miracle that you miss that the miracle is only a sign pointing to something greater. And you get so caught up in what's going right now and my blessing and my momentary faithfulness and, and, and momentary meaning right now, not that it goes away, but you get so caught up in that that you miss. It's actually a sign that's pointing to a greater truth. Because what happens is, if you get so caught up in the miracle and that's all you focus on, then you're going to need that again tomorrow. It's, it's almost as if, and I don't know if you've ever done this, you know, they tell you not to go to the grocery store when you're hungry. But I've done that before. And it's interesting, when I go to the grocery store and I'm hungry, I never come back with like, I bought way too much broccoli or way too much spinach. I come back with Oreos. And little Debbie's and those Swiss cake rolls. I can go through a box of those like that, all right? I always come back with that kind of stuff because you, your hunger is driving your decisions. And what Jesus is telling the Israelites, he says, you, you experienced the miracle and that's great, but that was only a sign to something better. That's like going to the grocery store and you're hungry. And when you walk in the store, there's, you know, they have those samples and you get some cheese and you get some summer sausage and you maybe a little chips and salsa and Chex Mix and all of a sudden that hunger goes away and you turn around and leave and you miss the whole grocery store. And then you get home to your family and they're like, well, where are the groceries? Well, I had some cheese at the grocery store. <laughs> That's great. What are we going to do the rest of the week? What are we going to do this afternoon? I sent you for more than that. And, and so here's what I love about Jesus. He wants them to catch who he is, but he doesn't withhold that to give miracles. You know, he doesn't say, look, I know you're hungry, but until you understand I'm the bread of life, you get no food, right? He didn't do that. He, Jesus loves us. When he sees needs in our life, he's concerned. He wants to meet that need. But what he's saying is, if I can meet this need, what else could I do in your life? And, and the mistake I know that I make is if I'm not careful, I will make my relationship with God all about the things that I need. And Lord, will you meet this need? 
And when he meets that need, man, I'm happy and I praise him, but I never go any farther than that. And he wants us to go, and, and again, not because his feelings are hurt, all right? Jesus is not walking along the Sea of Galilee with the disciples and they're like, what's wrong, Lord? Oh, nothing. If I have to tell you, it doesn't mean anything, does it, all right? He's not telling them this because his feelings are hurt. He's telling them this because he is concerned about them. And he's concerned about the life that they are missing. I am the bread of life. If you get caught up in the miracle, you're going to need another miracle tomorrow and another miracle tomorrow and another miracle tomorrow. But if you will understand that I can satisfy every hunger and you're just not praying from one need to another and following from one need to another, that I can satisfy every hunger, then you can begin to understand the true plan that I have for your life. Because here's what I I think is true for my life. When I make my relationship with God about the miracle that I need or the touch, and look, there's not, I I want you to catch this, nothing wrong for praying what you need. Man, pray for your needs, pray for all that. But when I don't go past that, what I'm really doing, I'm not following Jesus. I'm following my own plan. And I think he can help me get there faster. And I'm going my own way, say, just Jesus, will you do this? Okay, thank you, will you do this? Will you do this? And I'm really following my own way. Instead of saying, I recognize you are the bread of life. You're the source. You're the one who satisfies. You're the one who gives me strength. And I wanna follow your way and I will trust you on that way. And see, that's what God wants for our life. He wants us to understand, man, if God could do this in my life, what could he do for the rest of my life? How could he use my life? And Jesus gives them an illustration. And, and, and again, it's in this chapter, so go back and read it. He goes back and points them to their ancestors, to the Israelites. There was a time when God brought the Israelites out of slavery, and they were in the desert, and they had no food to eat. And here's the thing. Here's how God, good God is. They didn't even pray for food. They just complained that there was no food. And God miraculously, every single day for 40 years, rained down food from heaven. These people literally got up every morning, saw a miracle from God, and every single one of them died in the desert. Not one of that generation ever made it to the promised land which he was saying, I've got a place for you where you don't have to live daily. And I'm not saying not a reliance from God, but you're not so focused on the needs that you think that you have in your life. I've got a land for you that is flowing with milk and honey, but I can't get you there if you don't stop looking at what you need and look up and understand who I am and have a dependence on me and a reliance on me and a trust in me enough to say that you're gonna follow my way. I wanna bring you to a promised land, a place full of milk and honey. And he's telling the Israelites, I don't want you to be like these people that saw a miracle every single day, but they missed who God was. They missed that he is the bread of life that can take them to another way. And that's what I think God is saying to us when he says that we are the bread of life. I, you know, I think the question for me is this, in John chapter six, why am I following Jesus? Am I following him because he gives me bread or am I following him because he is the bread of life? And look, that's a subtle change. And, and I'm gonna say this, 
I'm not saying, hey, there's some real Christians in here and there's some that are, that's not it at all. What I'm saying is there's a better way. That's what I've been evaluating in my life. I would say this week, I didn't get the text that I was preaching until Friday. So since Friday, when I started to really dig into this passage and read John chapter six, because one of the things that Lord, you know, I can't, I can't help apply it to anyone else if God doesn't first apply it to me. And I was reading this and I was saying, Lord, Am I focused on my needs? Am I focused on, Lord, I need you to do this, 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 and this? Am I focused on your miracles and your blessings and your faithfulness so much? Am I focused on what you do that I never take time to start to realize who you are? And until I realize who you are, I can't realize who I am. And I can't live the plan that you have for my life. We talk about it all the time. Ephesians 3.20 He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than all that I could ask or imagine. But here's the thing, to get to that, because I love the exceedingly abundantly, I don't really understand all I could ask or imagine. So if I live my life like the people in John 6 or like the Israelites in the desert, where my head is down on my life, Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. Lord, can you give me this? Can you give me this? And my head is always right here. I need this. Lord, give me strength for this. Give me strength for this. Give me strength for this. And I never understand. And even when I celebrate God's goodness in all of this, does that make sense? I think this is all God can do for me right here. He can, you know, he can pay my bills. He can make me maybe not lonely. He can give me, you know, he, he can make me feel a little better physically. This is all God can do. God was saying, no, you don't understand. When I healed you, when I provided for you financially, when, when, when I healed the brokenness in your heart, I'm glad you enjoyed that. I wanted to do that. But that was only a sign. That was only a sample for you to look up and say, wait a minute. He, if he can do this, could he do something that I couldn't even imagine? And so when we begin to say, You're the, you are the bread, I recognize that you are the bread of life. Now that means, Lord, I, I, I trust you more. In fact, I wrote down three things. What does it mean that we say that he's the bread of life, that he can actually give us more than we can ever imagine? The first one is this. I trust you to satisfy me and give me strength. Lord, I trust you to satisfy me. And here's where that gets difficult. When I have this need, I have this hunger. I say, Lord, I need some bread to fill this hunger. And you don't give it to me. If you're the bread of life and you don't give me what I think I need, Maybe I don't need it. Lord, maybe you know that I don't need it. Maybe you know that's developing something inside of me. When I recognize you are the bread of life, Lord, you satisfy all my needs. And if I have a need right now that's unmet, Lord, you've got a reason for it. And you sat it, my relationship with you, my connection with you is enough. That satisfies me enough I can go with an unmet need in this area. Because here's the thing I think we need to realize. On this side of heaven, we're always gonna be feeling like we're missing something. Life's not gonna be perfect. He's not gonna arrange all the pieces. That's why we can't make our relationship with Jesus Christ be about all the pieces. Even in the Garden of Eden, when life was perfect, Adam and Eve were like, we need an apple, all right? I mean, it wasn't really an apple, it was a fruit. Blows me away, that's what they wanted, all right? But even in the Garden of Eden, they messed it up. 
because they weren't satisfied with God and they felt like there was something missing. I think one of the saddest things I've ever seen in people's life is when they have a life that's mostly good, but there's this one part that, man, it's just not there. And they leave all this to go follow that. Get that and realize they gave up all this. What did Jesus say? Pity the man that gains the whole world, but loses his soul. And so when I say, Lord, I trust you to satisfy all my needs, what I'm saying is, Lord, you are enough. There's a song that we sing, Christ is, I'm not going to sing it, all right? I started too, and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it says, Christ is enough for me. And, and I, I don't know about you, I've sung that before and thought, ah, is that true? And if it's not, God, make it true. I want you to be enough. So when we, when we recognize, Lord, you're the bread of life, that means, Lord, I trust you to meet all my needs and to give me strength. The second thing is this, I'll not be driven by my own hungers. Lord, I trust you, I will not be driven by my own hunger. I will not chase one craving after another. I will focus on you and I will pursue you, not all these things in my life that I think I'm missing because that'll destroy my life facing those things. And the third thing is this, I will turn to you for satisfaction. And I'm going to ask the band to come out as we get prepared to close. I will turn to you for satisfaction. You know what my biggest conviction was this week as I was reading this verse and preparing this message and talking about the bread of life? And, you know, I, I, Lord, do I, do I believe that you're the bread of life? I, you know, I don't know if you ever ask. I think sometimes it's good to ask ourselves those questions that we think we take for granted. And I said, you know what? I do. Lord, I trust you. If there's something that's not right in my life, I trust that you're going to give me strength to get through it that you're enough to cover those things. And I'm not gonna chase my hungers. But then here was my third question. If I believe you're the bread of life, then why do I pursue you more? Why do I not press in more? Because I don't know how you are. If I'm in my office like this last few weeks and somebody peeks in and they're like, hey, there's king cake in the break room. I'll leave a meeting. All right, I may ask, cream cheese icing, where did it come from? All right. But if it meets the criteria, there's not gonna be king cake down there that I'm not a part of. All right, birthday cake, whatever it is, man, cooking for Christ, cook, hey, free jambalaya in there. Why would I let something great be right next to me and I don't take part in it? And here's what I felt like God say to me, you do that every single day. If I believe that he is the bread of life, then why don't I push up to the table more often? Why do I go a week? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, we just finished a season of fasting. And man, fasting is hard. Staying away from food is hard. But in a sense, if I'm not careful, I'm in a reverse fast way too often. There is a table over here with the bread of life that he said, he who believes in me will never hunger again. Hey, I'll get to that tomorrow. God's word, yeah, I, I can do that tomorrow. Man, spend time in worship in my car. I, I'll do that this afternoon. Right now, I got, I got emails. I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. If I truly believe that he is the bread of life, then I would push up to the table more often. Lord, I trust you, I believe in you, and if I believe you satisfy me, man, I wanna get as close as I possibly can because you're the one. I, I spend too much time focusing on these things that are missing in my life 
God, what's missing in my life is more of you. And everything else fails in in comparison. I love that that song. And I wasn't going to say this, so I hope I get the words right. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will become strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, when Jesus was saying, I am the the bread of life, he wasn't just saying, hey, you're believing wrong. He was saying, I'm right here. My glory and grace are right here. I want to pour things into your life that are greater than you could ever ask or imagine. But if you're focusing on that piece of bread that's not on your plate, you'll never be able to accept all the things that I have for you. Jesus wasn't feelings were hurt. He wasn't trying to beat them down for thinking the wrong way and believing the wrong way. And he, he wasn't, you know, getting on to them and frustrated at them. He just knew there was so much more available. And that's what I want. I want everything that's available. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.